Good morning. There we are. Well, Happy New Year to everyone who wasn't able to join us for our New Year's Eve service. It's uh, an exciting year ahead of us, to be sure. To be sure. Amen. A couple of things uh, before we jump in here this morning to our first visit to our Word for 2020. And that is, I would appreciate and covet your prayers. Uh, This Thursday night, about 10.30 p.m., I'll be headed to the Philippines and uh, going to be with uh, Amir Sarfati. We're going to be next Tuesday and not this coming, but the week after Tuesday and Wednesday. I think it's the 12th and 13th at a uh, Bible college teaching there. And uh, we've got a, it's kind of interesting. He asked, Amir asked me to put together a couple of tests because they don't ever study the Old Testament. So I put together two tests of 15 questions each about Jesus in the Old Testament. So they may not have studied the Old Testament thus far, but they will by the time we leave. (laughs) Then on Thursday, we're going to be uh, meeting with a group of law students and answering their biblical questions for two hours. And then Saturday, we'll be holding and awaiting his return conference, a prophecy conference in Davao. We'll first be in Manila, and then Friday, we'll head down to Davao and hold the uh, conference there. Then Sunday, back on a plane and headed for home. And then we've got a series of things we'll be doing throughout the year, most of which I'm going to be on a plane Saturday night so I can be back for church on Sunday. But there's a couple of these things where I'm going to be gone uh, for a Sunday or two. And this is one of those. And uh, Don Stewart will be teaching next Sunday. And he doesn't know it yet, but on the 19th, Pastor... No, Don knows that, but Josh doesn't know he'll be teaching on the 19th. Uh, Pastor Josh, uh, that is. So uh, much uh, to be praying about and for. And I uh, want to encourage you to come out this Wednesday also. As we kind of skipped over because of New Year's, our praise night. But we will be praising the Lord through song this Wednesday. Amen. Are you ready? Here we go. Would you open your Bibles to Psalm 37? We'll look at verses 1 through 11 and include, of course, our PowerPoint word, or our word for the year and our PowerPoint verse uh, that is the theme for 2020, which is verse 3. Now, some years ago, we went through a study of the whole book of Psalms, and we noted that there are various types of Psalms, and our word and theme verse for the year is found within what's called a wisdom psalm. Now, we know that all Scripture, say all Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Now, we also know that the Holy Spirit often inspired the authors of the Bible, the human uh, pen holders, that is, to incorporate their own personal life experiences within what was being written under his direction. Case in point, our own chapter, Psalm 37, 25 David said, I have been young and am now old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Now, this tells us that under the inspiration and direction of the Spirit, David is writing from a place of personal wisdom and personal experience. It comes from age and having a bit of water have pa- uh, having passed under the bridge. And therefore, he is offering the reader the counsel of God through the voice of experience. 
Now we know through our studies in First and Second Samuel that David's life was no bed of roses, and he had many things that happened within his years on the earth. It was anything but smooth sailing. He spent years on the run from King Saul. He was betrayed. He was deceived. He also committed grievous errors and made poor and, dare I say, stupid decisions during his life. Anybody else know what that's all about? Now, as an old man, he's looking back on life. And he gives, in our chapter at least, four one-word pieces of wisdom. And they are trust, delight, rest, and cease. And again, if you weren't with us uh, for New Year's Eve, and I'm sure you've guessed what our word for 2020 is. It's right on the front of the podium. And our word for the year is... Trust. Now, the Hebrew word for trust in our chapter is batah. And it's a wonderful word. And it has various meanings, as do all Hebrew and Greek words. And it means to be confident. It means to be secure. It means to be bold. It even can mean carefree. And it also means to be hopeful. Now, that sounds like a pretty good way to live. Amen. <laughs> now. This is consistent with David's four nuggets of wisdom, because when we are confident in God, we can and will delight ourselves in the Lord. When we are carefree, that expresses that we are resting in him. And when we are hopeful, we can cease from anger and fretting, as he will direct us to do through his own experiences in our text this morning. Now, suffice it to say, we are in for quite a journey as we examine our word each month throughout this year. And it all starts here in Psalm 37. Now, I have to say this morning, stay seated. Our title's kind of weird. It's not at all spiritual until we make it that way. And we're going to here this morning. And it might seem a bit odd, but it won't as we go. And our title this morning is, are you ready for this one? The Family Trust Fund. The Family Trust Fund is our title this morning. Now, I, in looking at this, I initially titled our time The Family Trust, and then I realized we have to have a resource pool to draw from, and we're using the word fund under that guise. Now, a family trust fund is actually a legal device used to protect a family's assets from probate, probate, avoid unnecessary taxes, and well, as well as protect a family's assets. It doesn't make the funds unavailable, it simply protects them, so to speak. Now, spiritually, the family trust fund is something that we all share and have access to, having been adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Listen, it assures us that our eternal destiny is secure. It is protected. We cannot be separated from the love of God. We cannot be snatched from his powerful hand. And there are resources as members of God's family that we can draw from every single day. I hope our title is making more sense already. Well, thank you. (laughs) Ephesians 3, 14 to 19, Paul says this. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole what? Family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. 
that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. That's one sentence. What a sentence. What a group of promises. Amen. Now, as God's family, we have access to the family trust fund and therefore delight, rest and ceasing from fret are all part of our family inheritance. And we can make a twist, a twist, a twist with wall. We can make a doing a little Elmer Fudd there. We can make a trust withdrawal from these funds anytime. And listen, these assets of ours are protected by the initiator of the family fund, and that is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at what David looked back on as an old man led by the Spirit who'd lived a life filled with both conquest and defeats, joys and sorrows, personal failures and personal victories, who because of the family trust maintained his status as a man after God's own heart through all the highs and lows of life. So would you stand and read with me, please, our opening look at our word for 2020 as we'll read Psalm 37, 1 through 11 together. Psalm 37, 1. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. And Prince of Peace, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, we look to you now to open the eyes of our understanding and enlighten us further to all that we have and enjoy in you. And Lord, where we are needed a little, needful of a little push this morning, uh, would you get us jump started into the things we're going to talk about for this coming year this morning? We thank you for this opportunity. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying and teach us how to trust. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And we're going to find three things, obviously, this morning, as is our usual case, concerning the trust fund that we can draw on at any time during life. And the first comes from our opening three verses, which includes our theme verse for the year. Now, David, as we mentioned in our study of the Psalms, seems to have a pattern of not just using contrast, comparing the righteous and the unrighteous, but rather he tends to state the negative or even use a negative to make a positive point. 
We saw this practice established immediately in the Psalms in what's called the preface Psalm, and that being the six verses of Psalm 1. Now, David first notes that there are blessings in what we don't do. Blessings are positive. What we don't do is stating it in the negative, so to speak. In Psalm 1, 1 to 3, David writes this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, here's the contrast, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night, resulting in him being like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall what? Prosper. Many people wish us a prosperous new year every year at the uh, end or on New Year's Eve. And indeed, we can have a prosperous year if we understand what prosperity actually means to the Christian. Now, here in our psalm, he says, don't fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of those who seemingly do whatever they want and seemingly get away with everything they do. Sometimes it feels like some people can get away with anything and we get away with nothing. You know what I'm talking about this morning? Now, yet David reveals the future of the evildoers and the workers of iniquity. And he'll mention this again in our later verses. He says they're going to be cut down like the grass. They're going to wither away like an unwatered herb. So in the long term, the unrepentant evil get away with nothing. He says, instead of fret and envy, which are obviously of the flesh, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land while feeding on God's faithfulness. Is our God faithful? Absolutely. Deuteronomy 7, 9 reminds us, therefore know that the Lord your God He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and do what? Keep his commandments. Now, Moses writes, and David later uh, makes the same observation, that trust includes action. And God is faithful to his family. And his family are identified as those who love him and keep his commandments. And trust isn't sitting around knowing everything's just going to work out. Trust, as according to David, is trusting and doing good. And while doing good, we feed on the fact that God is faithful. Now, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19, to command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. That commandment wouldn't apply to me. And most of you, amen? But the concept stands. Nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly, say all things, all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, that we're to do our good works before men, that they might see them and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. And Paul says in Timothy, what David says in Psalm 37, trust in God and don't envy the workers of iniquity or fret because of evildoers, but trust in God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Hebrews would also say this in 13, 16, but do not forget to, what's the next two words? 
too good and to share for which such sacrifices God is well pleased. Now, that brings us to our first truth of the year concerning our word trust. And that is, listen this morning, trust is expressed more through working than waiting. Trust is expressed more through working than waiting. Now, I would say it's more through doing than dawdling, but I thought some of the young people would say, what exactly is dawdling? And I didn't want to take time explaining that. Now, by working, what I mean is doing the good works that are prepared beforehand for us to walk in as those saved by grace through faith. Now, Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 gives us that uh, directive. There are times where we are going to wait on the Lord. Amen. <laughs> I'm not sure what the delay is all about here this morning. We've been together before. You know I'm going to ask you questions or give you pauses to uh, react this morning. But those times of waiting on the Lord are not to be times of inactivity. As Isaiah says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. The word wait there in the Hebrew means to maintain an active hope. So it's not inactivity, but an active hope. And in times of waiting, we are not to be inactive. Do you trust In the promise Jesus made that he's coming again. Are we still waiting for him to to come again? Do we just simply sit here and wait or do we work and wait? We work and wait. Now, in Luke 19, 11 to 13, in the parable of the Minas, Jesus said, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. So he says, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called 10 of his servants and delivered to them 10 Minas and said to them, what? Do business, so the old King Jimmy would say, occupy till I come. Now, we are waiting for the Lord. And as we wait, we are to be working for the Lord. Now, we are waiting for a building. And as we wait, we're to be working. Now, we all need to keep working. We all need to be about the Father's business and having to move unexpectedly. And by the way, we're in our last six months before we have to move on June 30th. Hopefully, it'll be a lot sooner than that. Amen? But listen, having to move didn't change our primary objective. We are here to serve God. And we need to all be doing our share because trust is more about working than waiting. Waiting is inevitable. You're going to wait whether you work or not. Working is a choice. And therefore, to do good works while waiting is a greater expression of trust than doing nothing while waiting. Now, we made the point on New Year's Eve that when God makes changes, they are always for the better. And always, always means always. Now, just to be honest with you this morning, since we're in church... I'm honest all the time. Now, listen, and you should be too, right? I didn't see this whole building thing coming. Totally caught me by surprise like it did all of you. It's cost some sleep, both for me and other people. And I'll be glad to know, or glad to be in our new home. I'll be glad to know where our new home is going to be. But listen this morning. I'm not going to crawl in a hole and stop serving. I'm not going to crawl in a hole and stop working. I'm not going to stop preaching because from my perspective and yours, there's some uncertainty right now. And I say that because of this. There's no uncertainty on God's end. He knows exactly what's coming. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he said, he said, trust me and stay busy. 
And we need to do just that. Don't fret, trust. Don't envy, trust. Feed on God's faithfulness. And remember, trust is expressed more by working than just waiting. And by waiting, I mean doing no thing or nothing. Now, let's take a second look at four through six. And then he gives this word of instruction. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass, and he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Now, the word delight means to be happy about or even to make merry over. Now, we don't find any following defining conditions with this instruction. We're just told to delight ourselves in the Lord, and that means we do so all the time. Now, in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, Nehemiah said to the people, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, they were on the Atkins diet back then, or keto, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is what? Holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, remember, these words were what followed the reading of the book of the law or the Lord's word for the first time in a very long time. And all the people, when the Levites helped give the understanding and make the sense to the people of the word of God, much like a pastor is called to do as he teaches a congregation, the people wept when they heard the word. Nehemiah says, hey, hang on, go eat, drink and be generous to others and don't sorrow for the joy of the Lord is our strength. And listen, delighting in the Lord results in him giving us the desires of our hearts. Now, that doesn't mean if we delight in him, we get everything we want. What it does mean is if we delight in him, we want everything that pleases him. And he will give us those things. Now, in John 14, 14, Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will what? Do it. Now, that doesn't mean we close a prayer in Jesus' name and it's a rubber stamp that gives us everything we want. I don't know if Lamborghinis are in Jesus' name. I don't know if gold bars or winning lottery tickets are in Jesus' name. But I do know that bringing glory to him, fruitful serving, sacrificial giving, witnessing, helping the poor, visiting the sick, and and those who are in prison is in Jesus' name. And if we ask for him to use us in those areas, he will give us the desires of our hearts. Now, the word desire can also be translated as petitions. But we need to remember this also about our petitions. When James said, the half-brother of the Lord, uh, same mother, different father, James 4, 3 says, you ask and do not receive because you ask what? A mess that you may spend it on your pleasures. So, again, using uh, Jesus' name as some kind of pin number for blessing is not what is intended when he said, I'll give you the things you ask for in my name. Asking in his name is to petition him for what is according to his will and good pleasure. Now, this is why we need to avoid the teachings of the Word of Faith movement and prosperity teachings. You cannot, listen, you cannot force God to give you whatever you want because you have faith. There should have been more than that to that. You can't force God to give you whatever you want because you have faith. That's a little better. 
Now, David says in an old man, as an old man, commit your ways to the Lord and trust in him. Now, there's a pairing of trust and action once again in the form of living our lives for God. He then reminds us of the rewards of righteousness that we will someday enjoy when our justice is revealed by the one who is the light of the world. His mention of noonday represents the sun in the high point of the sky or the sun's power at its peak. Now, thus we can rest in the Lord and we cannot fret over those who prosper in this life, though they do do so through their wicked schemes. Now, David is pointing our thoughts, at least in part, to the future benefits of the family trust fund when we arrive home to forever be with the Lord. Now, here's our next truth about trust this morning. Listen, trust is living by what you know, not what you see. Trust is living by what you know, not by what you see. And of course, these points have a spiritual application to we believers. Now, we live in a time where evil is called good and good is called evil. We live in a time where wicked schemes are promoted and protected by people in positions of power all around the world. But all this is temporary and we cannot let what we see overshadow what we know. And this principle is stated in one of the most, if not the most, quoted out of context verses in all the Bible. But we'll straighten it out by doing what we should always do. And that is read what's before and after every verse. Jeremiah 29, 10 through 14, and verse 11 is the one that is often stated out of context. We need to understand what the Lord is saying. For thus says the Lord in verse 10, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, there the Lord gave them the destination of their coming captivity. He says, I will visit you and perform my good work toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a what? Which is part of trust. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. Now, the Lord says to Israel, Judah specifically, don't let what you see take your eyes off what you know. You're going into captivity. And during that captivity in Babylon, you are to know that the thoughts I think toward you are of peace and not of evil. And your future hope is being gathered back into the land from all the places I have driven you when you seek for me and search for me with all of your heart. Now listen, Israel had disobeyed God's directive of letting the land rest every seventh year. And they did so for 490 years. And thus the Lord said, I told you to let the land rest every seven years. You didn't do it for 490 years. So I'm going to take back my years consecutively or in sequence. And you're going to be in Babylonian captivity for 70 years so the land can rest as I had commanded. Now, the nation of Israel had also begun to worship idols, and the Babylonian captivity ended that fascination with Baal and other idols that they were led astray by. And Babylon cured their idolatry because it was a land of idols, and they never returned to idol worship 
after their time in Babylon. So even their captivity had a positive outcome, reminding us that all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Now, does God do things in ways that doesn't make sense at times? Absolutely. Now, our limited and finite minds cannot always grasp how he's going to bring good out of any given situation. Now, how do we handle this? Well, we live by what we know, not by what we see. And in Proverbs 3, 5 to 10, which we'll look at in detail in coming months, obviously, is one of our PowerPoint verses for the year. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, let everything you do reflect him and his glory and goodness, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. So your bonds will be, uh, barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, there are times we do not understand God's timing. There are times we do not understand God's doings. And therefore, if we live by what we see, which is our own understanding, as Proverbs puts it, and not by what we know, it's not healthy for us. And again, the prosperity people have it backwards. Honor the Lord with your possessions, not ask for more possessions by faith. And when we honor him with them, he says, then he'll add to them. Now, Jesus said in John 13, 17, if you know these things, that's good enough. If you know these things, what? Blessed are you if what? If you do them. Now, Jesus said this at the Last Supper. When the disciples were about to see things, they never imagined possible. They'd come to a place that we need to live by, which is acting on what we know and not just what we see. Now, one last thing in Psalm 27, 13, David said this. This is kind of a balance to what we've been talking about. He said, I would not, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God does bless his people. Amen. Amen. And he at times blesses people materially. There's no question about that. But the blessings of this life pale in comparison to the blessings of the next life. So until then, remember, trust is expressed more by working than waiting. And we'll wait at times no matter what. And trust is defined as living according to what we know, not just what we see. So what else can we learn about the family trust fund that we can draw from its resources at any given time? And the last is in verses 8 through 11, at least the last for this morning. David says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes what? Harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. And for yet a little while, the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and he shall delight themselves, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of what? Of peace. Now, David continues to point the minds of the reader to the future. And he reminds us that as we wait patiently for the Lord, whether that be to direct us, whether that be to provide for us, or whether that be to return for us, we cannot let the prosperity of wicked schemers lead us to anger. And in Psalm 73, 1 to 7, 
The psalmist writes, truly God is good to Israel, to such as are the pure in heart. This is consistent with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? See God. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, meaning they die in richness and uh, luxury, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor they plague like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than their heart could wish. Have you ever had more than your heart could wish materially? I personally don't know that experience. But there are those who do. And sadly, many of them are atheists, pro-choice, globalists, whose wickedness seems to not just go unchecked, but in earthly terms, it seems to be constantly rewarded. And thus Asaph says, the author of Psalm 73, when I saw this, it almost made me stumble. My walk was in turmoil. I was almost ready to slip. My feet almost slipped. And therefore, David says, getting angry and fretting over this does nothing to them and is detrimental to you. And then he reminds us that the next life is not going to be pleasant for them like it is for us. And he alludes to the millennial reign of Christ and that the meek shall inherit the earth and delight themselves in the abundance of peace when the prince of peace returns to rule the nations with a rod of iron. Now, as we've mentioned the contrast that David often employs, as do the other authors, we find it again in the very first psalm. We were told that those who walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path uh, of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, are going to be blessed in the form of being like a tree planted by rivers of water that bears fruit in its season. And then David says in 4 to 6 of Psalm 1, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now, here Psalm 37 says, it won't be long, in a little while, and the wicked will be no more. Any memory of them, any evidence of their existence is going to be completely wiped out. Now, John the Beloved says, speaking of the new Jerusalem, in Revelation 21, 22 to 27, just a couple of reminders like we did the other night on where we're going. John says, but I saw no temple in it. This is a new Jerusalem for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. But only those who are written where? In the Lamb's book of life. Now listen, someday... There is coming an eternal separation of the righteous and the unrighteous, and the wicked shall be no more. They'll be forever separated from those who were made righteous in Christ. And those who waited on the Lord are going to enter a time of eternal peace. 
And there's no reversing this once that time arrives. As Revelation 22:11 says, he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. This speaks of the permanent and irreversible state that when we arrive in eternity, we will stay in that condition forever, separated from God or basking in his glory. Now, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Because when someone arrives in their eternal address, it's already permanently established. The unrighteous cannot be numbered among the righteous. Now, here's the last thing we can draw on from the family trust fund as the children of God. Listen this morning. Trust is remembering that all that was remembering all that was wrong in this life will not be allowed in the next. Trust is remembering all that was wrong in this life will not be allowed in the next. May I say even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. Now, with this in mind, we can see the impact of trust on our lives and our eternal destiny. And therefore, if we remember that all that is wrong in this life is not going to be allowed in the next, we're not going to fret. We're going to keep doing good. We're going to feed on God's faithfulness as we dwell in the land. We're going to delight in him and he's going to give us the desires of our hearts. And thus we can rest in him as we wait for him and not grow angry or stumble or have our feet slip when we see the wicked prosper in their ways. Now, Revelation 21, 3 to 8 also says, John speaking, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed. Somebody say amen to the no more pain thing. (laughs) For the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, right, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all... Liars, obviously unrepentant liars, shall have their part in the lake which burned with fire and brimstone, which is the second death or eternal death. Now, listen, the former things are going to be, uh, pass away and all things are going to be made new. And the work necessary to accomplish this is already done. It's completed by the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. That's why Jesus would say from the cross, it is finished. Now, until we enjoy all things uh, being made new, we have a word of instruction from the Psalms from King David. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his Faithfulness. Are you in? Yes. Amen. Pray with me, please. 
Father, we are grateful again for this time in your matchless word. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunities to better understand what it means to trust and the rest and the ceasing from anger and delighting in you that all comes from trusting you. Help us to better understand these things as we have now begun our journey of understanding on this first Sunday of 2020. And Lord, I pray that you would stir us up to love and good works as we see the day of your return approaching. Give us strength, Lord, as we wait to do your will. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we wrap things up a little bit early this morning because I want to talk to you about something here for a few moments concerning our building. Now, our drop-dead date, so to speak. Now, I don't want to use that phrase. <laughs> but our date to be out of this facility is June 30th. Now, I don't know. I was hoping that maybe we had till June 30th because the Lord's coming before then and we're not going to need a new building. You okay with that? I wish that were the truth and it could very well possibly be. Now, Pastor Dave and others have been looking tirelessly for a new facility for us. We've been looking at buildings to lease. We've been looking at buildings to purchase. We have been looking for transitional facilities like a hotel or a school should we not be able to find anything within the allotted time frame. Now, the things we've been looking at for purchase have ranged anywhere from eight to $15 million. After all, we live in California and this is Orange County. And nothing is cheap here. So we've been looking seriously at other lease opportunities as well. And, of course, there are benefits to going either way. If you purchase something, you have some stability. Uh, If you lease something, you don't have to throw down the uh, 50% required fee for a purchase. And if we have something temporary and transitional, we all get to do port church every Sunday like we did in the beginning. So there's just benefits all the way around. Now, that was a joke, by the way. Come on, you're supposed to. Now... I'm sure many of you, having uh, sat under the very anointed and blessed teaching of Pastor Chuck for many years, were uh, familiar with the phrase, where God guides, God provides. Do you believe that this morning? Let me show you how God provides. Exodus 36, 4-7, for the building of the tabernacle and the sanctuary, Moses said, then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was doing, and they spoke to Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work of the Lord, which he has commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, too much. Now, I look forward to the day where I announce to you that we have too much money. But here's why I say this. Where God guides, God provides, but he never bypasses his people in providing that provision. And as we went through some very, very difficult times in the 2008 housing crash and all that, saw many people lose their jobs and lose their homes. Listen, I want to commend you for your faithfulness and giving. You have indeed been so wonderfully generous to this church and to uh, the security that we enjoy. Listen, we don't have... uh, any debt whatsoever. We have no debt at all. And indeed we, yes. I didn't say we didn't have bills. 
And you all have been very faithful to make sure that we can pay the bills for uh, leasing this facility and all the other things that are associated with it, uh, the ridiculous costs for insurance and all the things for having uh, workers and employees and all that that are just getting astronomically insane uh, here in the land of fruits and nuts, California. (laughs) But we need to remember that God wants to use all of us. Now, our building fund, not so much attention has been paid to it. So I want to encourage you. Some of you need to be praying. If you don't have anything extra to do, be praying for a building fund. And for those of you, the hundreds of you, the thousands of you out there who are financially independent and extremely wealthy, (laughs) please make sure you drop eight to 15 million in the box and market (laughs) building fund on your way out today. No, the point is this. Listen, God is going to provide for our needs for the new facility through us. So let's be faithful in not just continuing our giving uh, for your daily or weekly tithes and offerings, but also for our building fund. And uh, it's going to cost some money to move, obviously. And if he takes us to a transitional place, then we will serve him with a joy of heart and will delight ourselves in the Lord. If he chooses to provide for us to purchase a building, which would be great, but not necessarily necessary, uh, that would be wonderful, too. But he's going to do whatever he's going to do through all of us. So let's make sure we're mindful of that, praying for, thinking about, contributing to the building fund for the church. And just to give you a little insight, again, we got through some very, very hard times. Churches all over the country were losing their buildings uh, during the 2008 and beyond crash. And uh, thankfully, we had a wonderful Iranian Jew that owned the complex. I'd never even heard of such a thing, an Iranian Jew. But this man, sure enough, who owned the complex we were in on 6th Street, worked with us wonderfully. We never missed a month's rent. We always paid our rent. And indeed, uh, he was blessed and therefore worked with us. Now, in the 21 years we've been together... Our building fund, as I said, has not received very much attention. As a matter of fact, there's not been enough in the building fund to even pay for these pews that we bought uh, when we moved into this place. That all came out of the general fund. So I'm just saying this, and I am as uncomfortable talking about it as you are hearing about it. But we need not be. Because this is how God moves. This is what he said when he wanted the tabernacle built. And he gave the instructions and said, I want this made of acacia wood overlaid with gold. I want this to be solid gold. I want these to be made out of silver. And I want this to be made out of brass. And he gave Moses the instruction, tell the people, get that stuff into my house so you can do everything that I want you to do. And that's the word he's giving to us today. And you're comfortable with it. And I'm comfortable with it. So we're not going to get our nose bent this morning because we mentioned something about giving in church. Somebody say. Amen. So with that said, let's all stand for a closing word of song and smile on your way out the door.